Welcome to the Stories of Transformation podcast. I'm your host, Bakhtash Ahadi. Each week I dive into deep and intimate conversations with distinguished guests who share their unique perspectives about the most interesting topics of our time. In today's episode, I'm speaking with the 2018 National Teacher of the Year, Mandy Manning. We discuss what teachers can do in their classrooms to create a positive environment for students of all backgrounds to thrive, and what lessons she learned through her experiences living and teaching in other cultures. Mandy has been teaching for 21 years in countries and cities all across the globe, and most notably, she was a teacher at the Spoken Public Schools Newcomer Program. There, she was teaching new immigrants and refugee children English. This is when she became the National Teacher of the Year. Mandy's journey in education started in the Peace Corps, where she was teaching English in Armenia. It was there, in this new culture and environment completely different from the one that she grew up in in America, where she learned the powerful lesson of perspective. It was this insight that she carried forth in her style of teaching and the message that she is spreading to all educators, that we must hold space for all cultures, values, traditions, and gifts in the classroom, and encourage students to be proud of who they are. We hope this conversation changes your perspective on what it means to be an educator, specifically an educator to young students from all walks of life who are trying to find their way in a new home, a new country, and a new culture. As always, if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it far and wide. So without further ado, I bring you Mandy Manning. Mandy Manning, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Well, I'm really excited to have you here, Mandy, to be able to speak to you about your expertise in teaching. I think what's really interesting about your background is that you weren't actually trained formally as a teacher, yet through experience, you were able to find a passion for it. And uh, that's really what um, led you on this trajectory of being a teacher and getting the highest levels of teaching here in the United States. But I think what would be really great is if you could share how you got into teaching and what those steps were, and then um, we'll take it from there. So prior to February of this year, I was teaching. I was a teacher for almost 21 years. And the last eight of those years, I was working in the newcomer program, which is for brand new immigrant and refugee students. Um, And these are students who just arrived in the United States. I was their first teacher, and it was a public school program. It was part of the Spokane Public Schools, and it was housed in Ferris High School here in Spokane. And um, I had the honor to teach and learn with people from all over the world who were just coming to the United States to start their new life here. All of my students are immigrants or refugees, And it was such a blessing and an honor for me to be able to be their teacher for so long. Um, I would have new students every semester. Sometimes I'd have students for a full year. And I got to help them learn how to navigate the U.S. education system. I helped them to learn foundational English language skills because in order to be in the Newcomer Center, the learners had to test at a level one, which means they have very little Uh, language proficiency in English. Usually they were multilingual, so not only did they know their, you know, native language, but they also usually knew one or two or three additional languages. So yes, I was their teacher, but I learned so much more from them than they learned from me. And it was such an honor to be able to be that first educator for them. 
And then all of my experience as an educator, I started teaching really long time ago, actually with my experience. I was a paraeducator at first and I was working in a special education classroom. And I did that for one year as I was awaiting being invited to uh, serve in the Peace Corps. And so then I really, that's Peace Corps is where I really started my education career. And I taught uh, English as a a foreign language in Armenia for two years. And then when I came back, I taught in Texas. I taught in Japan for a couple of years. I taught in New York, Bronx, New York. Um, And then that's when I made my way over here to Washington State. And the last 11 years of my teaching career were here in in Spokane, Washington. Um, And I recently transitioned to being the digital content specialist for the Washington Education Association. And so what that means is I uh, do a lot with their social media channels and with the website. And I'm part of the communications team, so I also do some writing and things like that. But I think the most important part of my new position is that I'm able to take all those 21 years of education, especially the last 11 and the last eight Um, working with newcomers and channel that into working to support educators across our state in being equitable, being able to be open to different ways of thinking, being and doing, and to really reach and teach all of their students. And so uh, it's been quite a journey, but all of it is intertwined and connected and it's been an adventure. Yeah, I really appreciate that backstory, Mandy. And I just want to make a note here and say that you're deeply humbled to not have mentioned the fact that you were the 2018 National Teacher of the Year, which is a great honor. It's uh, an incredibly distinguished position. What I think would be really interesting to explore is what do you think distinguished you from others in terms of getting this award? In short, why do you think you got it and others didn't? You know, you, you never really know how to answer the question of why you were selected as the National Teacher of the Year. You just That's such a hard question because there are so many incredible educators, and I am just one of tens of thousands of them. And I just, I think that in the moment, my students' voices were the voices that needed to be heard. It was just right for that moment. And I love my kids. Like, I love my students. And all I could think the whole time was, "Ah, I'm going to get to tell my kids stories. In the environment that we are in right now in our nation, I'm going to get to tell my kids stories and help them tell their own stories to show our nation, what beautiful humans we are welcoming into our country. And that was such an honor. Now, what was the experience in your mind and in your life that was really pivotal in helping you better understand and empathize the needs of your students who are from all walks of life, from all parts of the world, who come from different cultures, speak different languages, what was the thing that allowed you to connect with them on a level that essentially gave them a sense of home and gave them a sense of belonging? I think the most profound experience in my life that helped me to be really open to different 
ways of being, thinking, and doing was my experience in the Peace Corps. Because when I went to the Peace Corps, I hadn't ever really been truly away. I'd always been, you know, with my mother and my sister and my family. And I had, of course, you know, moved away for like a month or two at a time, but I always had come back. And it was always, you know, within my own, roughly my own community. And so this was the first time that I was going away, truly away to a new world, essentially. I was moving to a new culture that I didn't know. I was moving into a country that spoke Armenian. Um, and I was going on this grand adventure that was terrifying and exciting all at the t all at the same time. And I remember the first night that we were totally alone with our host families. So it was just me, the new American Peace Corps volunteer, and my my host family. And I think I knew Barev. Like, I think I knew Barezes, <laughs> which is hello. And otherwise, I didn't know anything else. And, and that feeling of just complete and utter vulnerability, helplessness, because I was operating within a culture that was unlike my own. I was trying to navigate a place where I didn't know the language. But I, here I had this family that wholeheartedly opened their arms to me and accepted me and helped me every step of the way during those first six weeks. And then the exact same thing happened when I moved to my uh, village where I was going to be the sole Peace Corps volunteer in this little tiny village where there, was no, where there were no other people from the United States. And I moved into a family of a mother and a daughter and the exact same thing. They were there to help me and to help me navigate that. And, um, and so it, everything was brand new and I, I could take nothing for granted because I didn't know how to do anything. Setting up my phone line, figuring out how to do my laundry, all of these things that when we're comfortable in our own environment, we just do, right? We just like second nature. And if you're not intentional about thinking, like when someone new comes in and helping them to navigate those things, you know, as someone who's experienced that, I know the value of really truly welcoming someone and helping them to navigate their new environment in ways that I might take for granted, but I need to realize is not easy for them. But I would not have known that or known how to be the kind of educator I was had I not been in the Peace Corps and experienced that from the Armenian people. Yeah, I can empathize 100%. And so as you learned that monumental lesson in your life, how did that better inform your understanding of what it means to live in America and what it means to be an American and how you kind of carry that forward? In the United States, it's a very individualistic society we tend to not think of community over individual. We tend to be very focused on our own home and our own family. But in other cultures, it's different. Like they think about the community. They think about how when one family needs something, it's impacting the rest of the community. And we're stronger and better if we ensure that every single community member, regardless of where they came from, has what they need and can navigate the community because then we can all be working together to make our world and our society and our direct neighborhood better. And those are lessons I learned by going away. So then, 
you know, fast forward to my work in the newcomer center, I used all of that knowledge that I gained and all of that just giving and welcoming and acceptance that I received in Armenia. And I was able to channel that onto, well, this is what I got. So this is what I need to give. That sense of transformation is the same sort of thing that I went through after serving in Mozambique as well as a Peace Corps volunteer. I think it'd be great to kind of dig into this and ask, what other lessons did you learn that you wouldn't have otherwise learned unless you were away in a place like Armenia? I know that it, it helped me to appreciate difference and it helped me to appreciate the beauty of every culture and every community um, and to recognize that we all have value and that we all, every single one of us bring talents and abilities and knowledge and experience that we can learn from one another and grow from one another. Yeah, I too believe that everybody has intrinsic value and that everybody holds a special talent that the world needs. What ends up happening is sometimes the talents that people possess don't meet and or match what society expects of them. And that's where a lot of conflict resides, in my opinion. At this point, I'd like to get your thoughts on the education system in America. What's missing in the education system in America? What's it getting wrong? The way that our education system is set up sometimes is a deficit mindset. So that means that when a new students come into a classroom, we're often looking at what are they behind on? What do we need to make up for in order to get them to the next thing? And I don't think that that's a valuable way of helping students grow and learn. I think the only way that you can help students grow and learn, and I think this is the case for anyone in a community, not just a teacher-student, or it could be a parent-child, it can be neighbors, any relationship, is if you go in recognizing the assets that a person brings with them, those talents, those skills, the experiences, the knowledge, then you're able to build from a place of, hey, this is what you're bringing with you. So let's see how we can expand on that and help you grow more. Whereas if we start with what you're missing, we're always just trying to catch up. Now, based on your experience and your understanding of the world, what do you think kids, children, and students need most from their teachers, their educators, and uh, role models in their communities? I think that the thing kids need the most is to be able to be proud of who they are. And because we have this deficit model for education, and I don't want to broad brush everybody because I know that there's educators who are not doing that. I know that there are educators out there who are definitely asset mindset, who are recognizing the strength and teaching to the needs of their kids. So I, I just want to put that out there right now. I know in my cohort of 55, you know, all of them are doing that. So I know that there's educators out there who are, who are, who are really helping kids to be confident in who they are. But what I've noticed in what we do in our education system is it's often about uplifting and celebrating the United States and whatever ideal that represents of the ideal, you know, American. But what that does is that erases the cultures that the students come from. And it also erases the values and 
the beauty of their own family sometimes. Because if their family doesn't represent whatever it is we're upholding, then they feel erased or less than. This is all things that I learned over my 20 plus years in the classroom. And I grew to be better at this. But one of the things that was really important, especially in the Newcomer Center, was helping my students to be able to be proud of where they came from and to also recognize the beauty of everyone else that they were with in the classroom. Because most of the time I had at least seven different cultures and at least, you know, five languages. Usually it was more. Usually I would have 15 languages and 10 cultures or whatever. And so you have all of these kids coming together that are vastly different from one another. They don't speak the same language a lot of times. They don't understand each other's um, traditions or values or anything related to their each other's cultures. And so here we are in this classroom with all of this variety of ways of thinking, being, and doing. That's one of my favorite phrases. And so we had to learn to be together as a community and a family and to uplift one another and also to f feel proud of ourselves. And so everything that I did in my classroom was in an effort to help students to share who they are and also to learn about each other and to learn about the new culture in which they are living. Yeah, I think that's superb. So help us understand what that actually looks like in a lesson. I believe the lesson that you used is one based on directions, giving your students or having your students explain directions in their neighborhood. So could you explain step-by-step step what that lesson looks like and how that draws out from your students a sense of um, feeling like they can share their own lived experience? So overall, the language goal of this lesson was always giving and receiving directions. So it's, you know, simple north, south, east, west, left, right, turn, <laughs> go straight, um, walk, whatever, you know. And so it's those kinds of things. And so I could just do something simple, like give them a little worksheet or do um, a city map, but that's not going to be engaging and they're probably not going to really connect with the language and how does that help them moving forward if the language is just language and it's not rooted in their own experience and, and their life? So I started to think about, well, what could we do to bring in some of their experiences and their culture? And we have to remember that newcomers are just arrived. So whatever experiences they had in the journey, those can often be very traumatic and so we also have, as educators, have to be cognizant of that. We don't want them to relive trauma so early in their experience coming to the United States. We want to ensure that whatever they're learning and experiencing here is positive so that they can go be willing to take risks and go confidently into the next whatever it is, the next class, the next experience after the Newcomer Center. And so it's important that whatever we do in helping them share their culture or their community, that we're not re-traumatizing them. So in this particular one, I thought, well, what if they could draw a map of their neighborhood? And, and there's danger in that, too, because you never know what happened to their neighborhood you know, prior to them coming. But we try to house it in something like, how do you, what's your best, like, how do you remember your 
community. And so then they draw a map of their community and then they're able to share it. And there's such distinct differences between where everybody has lived. And in being able to share that with the little language that they know, like showing their map and, and saying, this is my street and you turn left and using the language that we're wanting to use to share their own neighborhood that they came from before. And then how interesting that is to the other students and also to me as their educator, it brings them a sense of pride and confidence. And then we take that and we create a map of the neighborhood. Usually we stick with the neighborhood of the school so that we can go outside and we can walk. And then later I might have them do an independent project where they look at the neighborhood that they currently live in here in the United States and draw their own map. So it's this process, right? Um, but it's amazing to watch how these kids are getting to share part of their life before coming to the United States using the new language that they've learned about giving and receiving directions and the pride that they're able to feel because they're not talking about how dangerous the neighborhood was or the experience they had, but they're just talking about, well, this is where my house was, and this is where this is, and this is what this looks like. And and they're, they're being able to experience that again and share it and feel confident because they used the new language to explain it. And their classmates were interested and excited. I'm going on and on, but it's, it's such an incredible thing to hit on that one thing that, that they can talk about and feel good about it and then connect it to what they're learning right now. Oh, that's really cool. So up to this point, we've talked about how your students have been learning from you and from each other, but what has this lesson taught you about yourself and what has it shed light on that you wouldn't have otherwise learned without implementing it? Well, for me personally, it's helped me to recognize the beauty of all different kinds of ways of living. Because I think sometimes we process the world through our own experiences. And so if we don't have an opportunity to experience something different from what we've experienced in our life, sometimes we can look, I guess, down on things that we don't understand or haven't seen or experienced ourselves. So I, that's a lot of what happens in the United States, especially because we've been taught that the United States is like the greatest country in the world. And so that kind of limits our lens. It causes us to make assumptions about other nations, especially nations that are often communicated to us in a way that, that seems like it's not a very good place. So when, when we get to have this exposure, it's like for me, especially I can't, I had countless kids in my, in my classroom and I got to experience, you know, their communities through their eyes. And you realize that there's beauty everywhere and it's going to look different and it's going to, you know, things are, things are, op it's like Armenia, right? When I went to Armenia with the Peace Corps, it was vastly different from, my life in the United States. The houses looked different. The streets were different. The way that people got around from place to place was different, but it was no less beautiful or no less comfortable. 
for lack of a better word, because we, we are couched in comfort here, but it's a very specific kind of comfort in the United States. Um, and you realize that comfort doesn't come from the, having a, you know, your own bedroom and you're in a, in a comfy bed or, or having a car or having, you know, whatever it is we deem as, as the best here in the United States. Comfort and happiness comes from the relationships that you have with one another. And really, that's it, the other human beings in your life. And so you learn to recognize the beauty in different places and spaces and, and cultures. And that's been the gift that I have received from being in the Newcomer Center, is being able to recognize that beauty in my students, in the nations from which they come, in their families. And seeing that what I have known my whole life isn't the only way. And all other ways of living and being are just different. Not better, not worse, they're different. And I am better and I learn more and I am a better person because I get to see those things and experience those things through the lens of the people who love those places. I'd like to pivot at this point and ask you something specific. Could you address inequity, inequality, and diversity in the public education system in America? What exactly have you noticed? What are some observations you've had? And what are the best ways to kind of move forward as it pertains to that? My first year in the classroom as a lead teacher in the United States was in, in 2001, which was 9-11. So I'd only been teaching for about six weeks when 9-11 happened. And the world as we knew it was shifting and changing here in the United States. And we started to become even more individualistic and fearful of the other, fearful of, of those that are different than us. And we just started closing ourselves off. That's also been reflected in, in schools. We don't recognize the tenacity, the resilience, and the strengths and gifts of every individual child, especially those who did not, were not born here in the United States, or who don't look like the kids for which our educational system was built. Because if you look back in history, our educational system was built for a single demographic. It was essentially built for white boys. And then as we have changed as a nation, as women have gained more rights as black and brown community members have gained more rights, the civil rights movement, all of that, we've been forced to shift, but not really change. So if you look at who we're serving in our educational settings, we still see this push towards what we call the traditional model of education which is the teacher in front, the students in rows, everybody behaving and listening to the teacher. Um, and you, you can look at a modern classroom and you can think, well, that's not what it looks like because you have kids in pods, you have kids working in small groups and things like that. You have flexible seating, but really you still have this push towards this traditional model of here's the information and here's the test to show that you have learned it. 
and No Child Left Behind really pushed that even more. So you had this standardization of education and the standardization came with standardized tests. And so then it became this idea that, well, if we design everything towards this average learner, then everybody will be served. And what we have found since beginning No Child Left Behind, and any time we've tried to standardize education, that we're leaving a whole subsection of the kids out. I don't want to say behind because I think when we use terms like we're leaving kids behind or we're there's all this lost learning or things like that, that implies that there's this ultimate standard that every single kid has to reach or achieve, but that standard is not maybe appropriate for every kid. Every kid needs something different to be able to grow, to become beautiful humans, beautiful, happy humans. Um, and so when we create a standard and say, this is your benchmark, we're failing to recognize the assets they're coming to us with. And we're also failing to recognize that every kid's going to get where they need to be. It's just not going to necessarily be on a timeline that is going to work for the adults in the room. <laughs> and so I think that that's the biggest thing that we really need to reassess in our education system is this idea that there's benchmarks and standards and that those supersede the kids in the classroom. We need to be able to have flexibility to, to look at the kids who are in front of us to figure out the assets that they have brought with them and then to build instruction that will best serve them in becoming healthy, happy humans when they are adults and then not trying to define what that means. This has been a great conversation, Mandy. And so I'd like to wrap up here by asking you one final question. What's your message for the world? Go into every experience with hope and curiosity. We tend to have a fear of things that we don't understand or things that make us feel uncomfortable because Discomfort is a very difficult thing to experience. But it's only through discomfort that we really grow as human beings. And so don't be afraid to be a little uncomfortable or to meet someone new or to take a chance and welcome someone who is different from yourself. Because while you are helping them by being welcoming, you are also getting so much in return. And if we are less fearful as humans and we are more open and more willing to see the beauty in the things that are different than what we have experienced or people who are different from what we have grown up with, the more whole and beautiful and giving and connected our communities will be. Go forth and experience things that make you uncomfortable. <laughs> be open. Yeah. Be open and hopeful. That's, that's, that's how you're hopeful. Hope doesn't come from fear. Hope comes from fearlessness. Mandy Manning, thank you for being the light in the darkness. Appreciate you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Stories of Transformation podcast. 
This podcast is produced by Dana Drahos. Audio engineering by Joe Genjemi. Marketing by Catherine Ahn. Artwork by Mashida Hadi. And theme music by Kais Esor. If you love Stories of Transformation, you can help more people find us by leaving a review and sharing the episodes far and wide. We're grateful for all your support. And on behalf of the Stories of Transformation team, I'd like to say thank you. Okay, see you next time.